Okay, we have some really good stuff today. This is our first Q&A. I cannot tell you how much joy it brings me to sit with people in their places of questioning, their places of curiosity, their places of seeking, and to do that with the tarot and to do that with spirit just feels so good. And I've always wanted to bring that to a larger platform. So here we are, trying new things. Um, We're going to talk about intuition today. We're going to talk about Tantra today. We're going to talk about the tarot, its history, how it arrived in our hands. We're going to talk about boundary work. We're going to talk about the importance of language. We're going to talk about union and the energy of May and what it means for people entering these kind of beautiful major transitions in their life. There's so much good stuff in this episode. And what I love about sitting together in this place of inquiry is that You never know where it's going to take you, and it always takes you to exactly the right place. The faith that you build in yourself and in spirit when you are willing to kind of sit with open hands and open heart, it just gives and gives and gives, and it feels so good to be in conversation with the world, with Source, with each other. Yes! Enjoy it. Listen to all of it or some of it, and let me know what you think and send me follow-up questions, and let's just keep talking, and let's keep dreaming, and let's keep wondering, and let's keep playing. It's giving Let's Get Curious. It's giving everything is sacred. It's giving art. It's giving let you up and turn you on and set you free. It's giving you are the wisdom keeper. It's giving freedom and it's giving love. And it's giving you are more magical and powerful than you can comprehend. It's giving I don't know what's happening, but I am so here for it. It's giving you are pure potential. It's giving mystical. Well, I am just like so pumped to be here talking to you guys through the questions you sent me. Oh, there's just nothing (laughs) that makes me happier than people and people like, you know, seeking and searching and finding their way home. So that's what I hope to do with this. I'm going to answer a lot. Some of these questions are questions for me versus the tarot. But what I'd like to do is kind of one of the things I guess I want to express to everyone about the tarot is what a beautiful tool it is. And I think that more and more we see people using it in creative and extraordinary ways and for their own self-development, self-realization, self-empowerment. But a lot of people still think of tarot as this, I don't know, card game, magic eight ball. There's nothing wrong with the magic eight ball, by the way. But tarot is such a deeply powerful and deeply personal tool. And I just want to show you that there's no limit to how you can engage tarot. So I'm going to answer some of the questions that are kind of more directed at me, but I'm still going to pull cards for it. And we're going to see what the cards say, what spirit wants to say. And I'm just excited. Okay, so the first question was from Liz. And she said, I'd love to hear you talk about integrating spiritual musings and nudges into life. How do you blend what you are receiving with your day-to-day? Okay, well, the first thing that comes through is that the separation of spiritual and everyday that what is happening every day is spiritual and maybe you maybe we could divide it into like the spiritual and the material and actually one of the reasons i first started studying tantra was because 
the definition of Tantra that I was given was that it's to, to weave, to weave together, to weave together the spiritual and the material, to know that there is nothing outside of spirit. There is nothing outside of the sacred. And in Tantra, I mean, I think a lot of mystic traditions say this, right? A, a mysticism, Kabbalah says it, and it, is it Gnosticism in Christian religion? But the idea of the mystic traditions, that's what they're basically saying. They're basically saying anyone who's telling you that God and you are separate, anyone that's telling you that the body and the soul are not one is mistaken. And that part of our human experience, part of what we're even here to do is weave together the spiritual and the material, is reform, like remember that that is true. And when I talk about masculine and feminine practices or masculine and feminine energies, you know, one of the first things I want to say to everyone, and this is not me, this is, you know, many, 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 <laughs> much more intelligent, more learned people saying this, right? But is that it's all one, it's all one energy. And we as humans, we like to kind of tease it apart so we can analyze it and look at it and feel it and study it and kind of dive into it and polarize it and all that good stuff. But the idea is it's all one. And I would say the same thing for anything that's asking us to kind of separate the spiritual and the material. So that's kind of the philosophy there. But the, the truth of it is that most of us don't weave those things together. And for whatever reason, what can you call it? You can call it indoctrination. You can call it the cultural narrative. You can call it mm, learned behaviors. You can call it psychology. You can call it ego. Like you can call it a million things. But somewhere along the way, most of us were told a variety of things, but something along the lines of you are not God. Uh, God is out there. The sacred is out there. Spirit is out there. And then there's you and you're here, <laughs> and there is a separation. And we're actually, I'm gonna talk in May about the Hierophant because that is the energy for May, that five energy is the base card for May. And people have uh, not the best reactions to the Hierophant because one of the translations of that is the Pope and people tend to come to the table with lots of ideas about the good and the bad of that, what that actually means to them, whether that's a force for good or, or not good in the world. What I would say and what I try to get everyone to understand about the Hierophant is that what that card represents is a bridge. It represents anything that bridges you from here to the divine, from here to God, from here to the sacred, from here back home. That's truly what that bridge is about. Anything that helps you mediate or remember what we're, well, who we are, who are you and why have you come, right? So this idea of how do we... How do we uh, integrate these kind of nudges and intuitive hits in our everyday life? I would say that's a question of paying attention. Like that's a question of paying attention. If you really are paying attention to here and now, if like I've said, like if, if you really bring your energy to what's happening right now, it's almost impossible to feel disconnected from spirit, from source, from your intuition, because here is everything like in this moment is everything in this moment is all potential all potential so when you get these intuitive hits or these nudges maybe that's partially like a part of you a higher self a guide an angel an ancestor poking you on the shoulder a little bit like remember remember it's all here now remember everything you need is here now 
Remember the miracle that you are breathing. Like look around, like open your eyes and look around. I just heard Hamilton in my head, look around, look around. How lucky we are to be alive right now. I won't sing for you because <laughs> it's definitely not one of my, one of my um, gifts. But that, that song, the energy of like, look around, look around, how lucky we are to be alive right now. I would imagine that when you get these intuitive hits, I saw someone on Instagram, she calls them glimmers. She says that they're like the opposite of triggers. These like kind of like nudges or these like these, the way your skin kind of like wakes up a little bit or you just see synchronicity, you see signs, you see, you see these kind of reminders to pay attention. Thinking about how do we integrate that into our daily lives Maybe just say yes to them. Like maybe the, you know, I was um, thinking about this on like a very mundane level this morning. I know I was sitting outside. It's beautiful here. I was like having my coffee and I was listening to something and I was, I had all these things I wanted to do this morning and I wanted to get done today, but I was like, you know, sitting outside having my coffee and it was really nice. And then this bee came and I'm like pretty chill about bees, but it started circling, circling, circling around my head. And I was like, it started to feel a little uncomfortable. So I stood up and I went inside and I closed the screen door just between the bee and I. And I was like, I had this thought, like even in that moment, this thought that that was like a sign from the universe. It was some part of me saying like, get going, Kirst, get up, get up, get going. Time to move on, you know. And it didn't feel like an urgency or like a, um, a pressure. It just felt like a pay attention. Wake up, wake up, baby. You've got things to do. You've got art to make. Like that was the energy of it. So if we were to really kind of pay attention we would expand into, and this is, I, I know I keep talking about the Rick Rubin interview for anyone who works with me, but like, I can't, I can't stop. I got to go read his book. I just love the interview so much. But anyone who works with me knows like, that's so much of what we're here to do. We're not here to do. We're here to be, we're here to be. And you know, you are the medicine and you are the teacher and you are the artist. And all of that, all of that, comes down to paying attention to how miraculous it is to be alive right now. What I would say, I don't know if there's like specific examples you need or if you feel challenged by that, but I would welcome every nudge, every curiosity with a couple of full breaths. And I would say, yeah, if I was paying attention right now, what would I notice? What would I see? And it can be some constriction in your body. It can be something that's launching you away from the here and now it can be some truth that's trying to emerge it can be some boundary that wants to be set it can be some some part of your energy system saying please please pay attention please be here with me now i need to be witnessed because that's the other thing everything 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 wants to be seen everything wants to be seen everything wants to be seen and I mean that for you and your experience of the world. I mean that for the trees. I mean that for the bees. I mean that for, I just did a house. I was doing a, like a home mountain blessing for my space. I can't tell you that when I brought my awareness to my home and the land that my home sits on, how the whole place like erupted in joy. And I was thinking like, even my house wants to be seen. Everything wants to be seen. The land I sit on wants to be seen and engaged with. So I guess I could say that like, it's all the nudges like that's that's always like the redirection and the paying attention and I wonder how things might change how your perception of those might change if you imagine that everything was sacred everything was of spirit everything was of the divine and every part of you there's no separation 
And so what would, what would change for you if you really began to feel that tantric weaving, if you began to feel that beautiful, beautiful weaving that is the material and the spiritual, but that is also you, that is also your medicine and, and what you're here to create. I wonder where it would lead you. And I wonder what your experience of those nudges would be. If every time they came through, you were like, okay, yeah, I'm here. I'm paying attention. Tell me, tell me what you got, baby. Tell me what you got. So I hope that helps. Oh, I'm going to pull a card. Let's see what the tarot says. <laughs> so I pulled a six of wands. Six of wands is, you know, in traditional tarot, we call that the victory card. Beyond that, sixes are a number of harmony, a number of art, a number of beauty. The yeah, harmony is the, is the best word for what six energy is. Like a, it's a musical, it's a musical resonance, a musical cohesion, a musical balancing. And wands are our fire energy. They're our heat, our creativity, our sexuality, our inspiration, our life force, our vitality. And so the six of wands is saying, find me harmony with your fire. Find me harmony with your your spirit, your like your vitality, your aliveness, your your flame. And that's why we call it the victory card because that's why it's called the victory card in tradition because it's saying like when you can harmonize your fire element, your ambition, your heat, your like get up and go, that great things happen. That's a place of real of real victory. So in response to this question, just this idea that all your nudges and all your hints are actually trying to carry you towards victory, trying to carry you towards this version of yourself where your fire is just singing. Like your fire is just singing the beautiful song that is you. Yeah, so everything I said still applies. <laughs> it still feels right. Um, but six of wands. And Liz, you can take six of wands and you can do a meditation on it. You can sit with it. Do some direct revelation. Like visit that card. Put yourself in that scene and be like, what is up? And it will share with you, I'm sure, more and more treasures. Nina asks, what do you feel the origin of the tarot is? And does it transcend Western culture or are its archetypes connected to the Judeo-Christian psyche? There are many people who talk about the history and the origin of the tarot that could probably speak more, definitely could speak more um, intelligently about this topic and about the history of tarot. I will say that the archetypes that exist in the tarot, the tarot is at its, most broadly, my perception of the tarot is it kind of tells the story of a life. It tells the story of what we're here to experience and encounter as, as humans, as embodied beings. And when I explain it to people, like the major arcana, the first 22 cards of the major arcana, they're like, everyone will face these energies. So some of them are your strengths, some of them are your, your weakness, your nemesis, you know. But the point is, like, if, you're, if your life was a drawing, these are the sharpie lines, these are the things that you are going to deal with. You are going to deal with your sense of abundance and sense of creativity. You are going to deal with death and transformation. You are going to deal with hopefulness you are going to deal with what is god like you are going to kind of walk this journey from the fool to the world you will encounter those energies the minor arcana is like in that same drawing a pencil drawing so you can some of them are shaded really dark and some of them are shaded really light and you can move them and adjust them and there's a little more flexibility to how they show up in your life but the idea is that these are all this is kind of the portrait the tarot is like the portrait of the human experience and if you like look up online, like if you Google, you know, like history of tarot, it will tell you that it was a card game. It was a card game in I think Italy, maybe the 1500s. So yes, there's 
that. But I would also say that the themes that come up in the tarot are the themes of mythology, right? They're the themes that any culture you study, any culture you study, will have these energies, like especially of the major arcana, will have these energies running through it. Like you will, there will be a question of what is consciousness. There will be a question of what is flow. Like there will be a question of death and transformation. There will be a question of regeneration, like symbols and signs and stories around these energies. So in that way, I think tarot is this beautiful expression of, again, the human experience, but also these like kind of core, core personas, core archetypes that have existed throughout time and way beyond any appearance of a card game in the 1500s. Something that occurred to me, though, when I was thinking about this question from Nina is it reminds me of the trajectory of the rosary because the rosary is something, right? Prayer beads. We talk about how that's an ancient energy. And then um, in the Catholic Church, obviously associated with Mary and associated with women. And the idea that the prayer beads were something that even when the church went through its most insular, power-hungry places, the rosary survived that. Like the rosary always survived. And I would say that the tarot, people, you know, <laughs> you tell people that you study tarot, I've had more than one person <laughs> tell me that there's the devil in that or there's, you know, bad energies in that. And I'm so sorry for that assumption. I'm so sorry for that experience of the world because my experience of tarot is so different. My experience of tarot is this incredible companion and this incredible cord of love that comes from source energy. But what I'll say is people are so afraid of the tarot and yet in your household, in every household, there's a deck of playing cards. Those two things are exactly related. The four suits of the tarot correlate to the four suits of playing cards. The court cards all exist there. It's really interesting because the only card that does not fit in that, in the deck of cards, right, is the joker, which is the fool, which is the first zero card of the major arcana. So I would say that in some ways, tarot is parallel to the rosary in that it's about a direct experience of God. It's about a direct experience of these archetypes. And that will survive regardless of what people think of it. Like the experience people have where they need to feel source close, they need to feel God close, and they reach for tools that do that. That to me is what tarot is. And I would I think that there's a kind of kind of a certain beauty in the fact that playing cards have kind of become something that every house has, even though they don't realize the association with the tarot, the game that was played in Italy or in Europe in the 1500s. And it's interesting to think about the way that need to have like pictorial, numerological energies of play in your life still exists. You know, like it exists whether the church agrees with it or not. It exists whether people are afraid of it or not. Like that exists to play and to explore the story of being a human is obviously goes way beyond tarot, right? But the gift of tarot is that you can take these energies and hold them in your hand. You can play with them and you can enter them. You can have a direct revelation with the tarot where you enter the space and say, tell me, tell me, six of hearts. What does, what does the six of cups mean? What is the energy of six hearts all lined up in a row? Right? It's really interesting. What is a two of hearts? Like that's the two of cups. What does that feel like in your body? Like 
you could do it with a playing deck, but you can also just do it with, but you do it with the tarot. Like you can enter these spaces and have an, a direct experience of the story, a direct experience of the stories that run through all all cultures across time. And something about that just makes me feel, yeah, like there is a river, like there is a river of knowledge and connection to source that will never dry up. I don't know, Nina, does that answer your question? But that's what it made me think of. It made me think of like, this idea that there's a way in which magic and mysticism and like life, like vitality, like spirit stays. And Tara was one of the places where it's made a home. And it does remind me a lot of the way the rosary has kind of held that energy of women's hands. Tara holds the energy of life is an adventure and a play and curiosity and exploration are part of the part of the show we were wondering what does the tarot have to say about the tarot oh you know you know shut up shut up i can't also the tarot has the best sense of humor that ever was i mean oh my god so i pulled the world card which for anyone who knows tarot knows that that's just hilarious it is the 21st card in the Major Arcana. It is the last and final card in the Major Arcana. It is all things. It is completion. It is wholeness. And it is wholeness not from a sense of like source wholeness. It's wholeness in terms of like, I have walked it. I have walked it from the fool to the world. I have walked it. I have walked all the steps. And I am just such a yes to the full human experience. If you believed in reincarnation when you get to the world card as a soul, you would start again or you would leave this school and go find you know another place to incarnate. What the tarot has to say about that is that it's like all things. It's this beautiful, beautiful deck of cards you can hold in your hand that contains all things. And one of the things I love, you know, I teach tarot, people will Certain cards will trigger people and they'll be nervous about the energy of what that means, right? Like, well, that's an energy I don't want to bring into my life. What I would say is that it all exists. And what the tarot is willing to do with us, sit with us as just such a patient, loving teacher. And with the card that comes to mind is the Five of Swords, right? Like the Five of Swords is a very difficult energy. It's conflict and challenge and pain uh, and the ways that we wound each other and the ways that we are wounded in return. And at the same time, like one of the beautiful lessons of that card is pay attention, like pay attention to who you are in the world, pay attention to the places where you've been wounded, but also pay attention to the places where you've wounded. When have you gloated over your victory? When have you, you know, like nursed your wounds too long? And when have you walked away when maybe you should have fought? Like there's so much happening in that card about who we are and how we treat other people. And tarot is one of the like only tools that will like just kind of show that to you with no judgment and no, actually beyond no judgment, like an acceptance of, hey man, that's what being human is. Like, hey man, that's a part of the human experience. So let's not shame ourselves for it. Let's not judge ourselves for it. Let's see it and let's like get curious about it. And then let's see what else we could do, how else we could be in the world when that energy is seen how it dissipates in our life. It's like the, the triangle of disempowerment, right? Like when you realize this victim, perpetrator, rescuer dynamic, and you realize that it's kind of this trap and you step out of it for the first time, oh man, there's just so much space. 
there's so much room out there. And so the five of swords is like this beautiful confrontation of energy where I just will look at you and be like, hey man, <laughs> somewhere in some part of your life, you're kind of trapped in this dynamic. Do you want to see that and maybe see what else is possible? That is the tarot. So when I say that the tarot showed me the world card, it's like saying, we just dig it. We dig humanity. We dig being human. We dig the journey. And we're just here for it. We exist to show you that it's all okay. We exist to show you that nothing is to be turned away and that all of it's all right. So, ah, oh, I love it. I love it. Tarot is just this, it's just the gift that keeps on giving. All right, cool. That was a good one. Oh, Tara, you're so clever. Okay, Lisa asks, just beyond the 5-5 five, five eclipse, I will be married to my sweetheart on May 6th. As we cross this threshold into union, what would spirit and my guides like me to know? Oh, it's so beautiful. Um, five, 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 six. Just to like, like just to enter this through the lens of numerology. Five, the five five eclipse is the is the completion of that Scorpio Taurus eclipse cycle. So I just would imagine that getting married the day after that is like it's just such a such a commitment to the depths of each other, such a commitment to both the materiality and the mystical depths of each other. And so it's just it feels really beautiful and I wish you guys just all the blessings, all the success and satisfaction and growth and freedom and connection that you desire and the five six date that's an 11 so an 11 7 18 mm. so the moon cards so you're getting married on the day of the moon i would imagine that you have known each other on many levels not that's not that that's what you're asking but it's a really interesting energy to pull up and to honor the to honor the unseen between you as much as you honor the seen between you. It's really interesting, that energy, to, to have that mark the day of your wedding. Um, like, really to trust your instincts with each other. That will be... Like, you just... You will have <laughs> an experience of each other that is both of this dimension and way beyond this dimension. What Tarot has to say about what your guys and spirit there's justice is the first card that came through there's just such balance here and remembering again i think i talked about this on that energy podcast or maybe on the april podcast 11 energy that's it's it's i am magical and the divine and powerful and sovereign you are as well so in this union coming together as like free beings and that sounds like super obvious, but I don't think it is. I think that we, we kind of have a lot of assumptions around relationship in terms of what we create together. And I think that that's important, obviously, because you will you are creating kind of this new third entity. But remember that the roots of that entity are your sovereignty and your partner's sovereignty, your freedom and your partner's freedom, your sense of being seen and chosen and your partner's sense of being seen and chosen. So those two, like honor the light that you are, honor the sovereign being that you are and knowing that there doesn't, that never needs to change, that that is like the foundational root of your relationship and to make sure that you remember to honor, to tend to your 
field tend to your kingdom and allow them to tend to their field and their kingdom and that that's where it begins and so anytime you find yourself in a place of stress or worry check there first check there first say am i in my little kingdom am i just managing my realm and am i letting them manage their realm because only when those kind of two kingdoms are running beautifully can the empire you know like flourish the next card you get is the fool which again is like so much divine protection the fool card is the fool is fearless because there's nothing to fear like like i said about the tarot a few minutes ago it's all good like it's all good and so the fool energy wrapping itself you can feel spirit and your ancestors and your guides kind of wrapping you two in this hopefulness and in this love and in this protection so it's really beautiful what i'm seeing is like this orb and then you two existing within it in a way that is so clean and like there's just this deep 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 respect for each other this deep deep respect for not just how you appear on the outside but like your soul's journey and that's what i mean about i think that you have kind of been together in other realms or other dimensions or past lives or whatever you want to call it but there's a way in which there's a a soul recognition and then there's this like actual 3d sovereignty and the way those two things come together there's just like a lot of freedom and respect here and that just feels really really beautiful and then the ten of swords which again is one of those cards people were like what there's so many swords but the ten of swords is an awesome card because in the tarot nine is completion so in all the suits you get to nine and that should be the end but we are humans and we are sticky and we are not good at saying goodbye and we are not good at ending things we like to like stay sticky and linger and the ten of swords says that this is really truly the beginning of a new cycle for you both like really truly i would imagine that your wedding day will not only be your anniversary but it will be a moment where you look back and say things really were different after that and i say that i don't know what your charts look like but wherever you had scorpio and taurus obviously that's happening and then we're entering you know you'll we'll have had the aries libra eclipse season begin you know a couple of weeks before that and that is all about me and we, right? That is all about I am and I balance at the same time. So just feeling those two energies together. There's something in this about spirit, rec- like trying to tell you how protected you are, how much this is truly a new chapter. And then at the same time, how important your sovereignty is within this union for both of you, for both of you. I have to say like the energy that comes through is just, there's something very clear and deeply honored about the fact that you're together. Like there's this just deep respect and honoring of, of each other on a soul level. That's just really cool to witness. And it, it, it just inspires so much confidence and strength. So yeah, that's really beautiful. I think if, if spirit wants you to have a message, it's just that you are protected, that this truly is the dawn of a new day and that, whenever you feel unsure about the path ahead come back to your sovereignty and let them return to their sovereignty and that is the root of everything awesome thank you for trusting me lisa and i hope you have the most magical wedding day and that the roots of this of this union 
are deep and wide and bring you lots of sweetness and protection and plenty into your life. Okay, so Lewis asks, how do we know when to draw the line between being considerate versus standing up for yourself? Oh, goodness. So boundaries, boundaries, being considerate and standing up for yourself. Something about that, even like those words, because standing up for yourself is clean. It is just, it feels like a cool breeze, right? Like, this is me. It's like that song by, uh, in The Greatest Showman, This Is Me. I really, I'm definitely not going to be singing, but like I could do a lot of singing on this podcast, but we would all be sorry. But like, this is me, right? That energy of like, oh, that feels good. And this is me energy, standing up for myself energy. It feels good to everybody. People might not like it. People might get like triggered by it. People might get like, like, I don't know, jealous of it. But the the purity of standing up for myself, the purity of like, this is who I am and what I need is just so clean and such a gift to the world, right? It's such a, it's like clarity and integrity and it just, it feels good no matter what. The baseline spiritual energetic energy of that is clean and beautiful. Being considerate is different, right? Being considerate is like, has a sense of you, I'm kind of perceiving what I think your boundary line is. I'm perceiving what I think my boundary line is and then I'm somehow trying to get close but also navigate this like perceived or assumed boundary line. I think that if there's tension in these two places, I would say to come back to that clean energy of this is me and get so safe in that space. Like anything you need to do to to feel even more rooted in that, more grounded in that, like do that. That's the place to begin. And then look at whatever this idea of consideration is. Like look at that with those with fresh eyes from that place of real peace and groundedness and strength and steadiness. And and also remembering how much of a right you have to be who you are. You have to sing your song. Because what I'm feeling is like if I am in that space and I and I feel clean in that and that feels really clear and like beautiful to me and I turn to look at someone else there there won't be like confusion there's something about the the core of this question that's like a little bit even tangled right like I'm being considerate there I that's what it is okay there's some assumption that if I stand up for myself if I stand in my own strength and power somehow that harms you somehow I have to also be considerate which is that that's the trespass right there like and I know that considered it's considered a good thing but think about this example of have you seen on like TikTok where they they show like a woman walking down the street towards like a usually a white man and how most of the times he won't turn away he assumes that she's going to you know go around him and I think there's so much there's so much in that that's such like a rich social experiment because women's safety and bodies and who has the right to stand still. But but there's something about that reminds me of this. Like when I ha- when I have to be considerate of you, there's this underlying assumption that one of us has to give way. That one of us has to give in. Like one of us is going to have to swerve or we're going to crash. And I guess I would just question that in terms of if you're really clear standing up for yourself is so clean until I need to convince other people 
that that I'm okay or that it's okay for me to until I have to convince other people. So that's where like, that's where this feels a little bit tangled in terms of separating out. Okay. So if I stay with me, this is who I am. This is what I need. I can communicate that from a really clear place, but because I'm in such a clean spot and because I respect and trust the other person to handle their boundaries and handle their energy and sing their song, I can just kind of present what I need with just this like easiness where it's, it's not about, so that's the, that's the word that's getting me on this. And I know it, it's like, you can be like, why is she getting stuck on this word? But words matter so much. And sometimes we ask these questions and the question's so important, but it's important to also go deeper and like dig under. So this word of, this idea of consideration does put into play kind of what I said before about the, um, the five of swords, like it, it puts in this energy of like, someone's got to give, someone has to be right and someone has to be wrong. And I would, that's, that maybe is like where it's getting sticky, right? So if we dive underneath that and we just say, listen, I'm a, I'm a person who has needs and a clear heart. I'm clear. I, I like know who I am. I know what I'm trying to say. And I come to you and I say what I have to say. I can respect that you know enough to, to, like mirror back to me. Oh, sure. I hear you. I can be with that. I, I hear that I can help you with that need or I can be with that or the opposite or some other a thousand variations of, I hear that you need that. And I'm not, that's not possible for me right now. Do you see how like all of a sudden we're both allowed to be these like sovereign beings and we're both allowed to sing our songs and we're both allowed to stay in our truth and we're both allowed to have needs, but no one, there doesn't have to be a winner or a loser. There doesn't ha- no one has to give way. No one has to, consideration also kind of makes assumptions about what the other person needs, what it's like for the other person. Boundary work is so important and it's so complicated, like human relationships, right? The toughest school on earth. But what we work on in my like worldview is we work on our own sovereignty. We work on holding ourselves with such kindness and compassion that there's no part of us that we're ashamed of there's no part of us that like is not okay and and whose voice is isn't allowed to be heard and when you get to that place where you kind of are like yeah this is actually this is who I am (laughs) this is my song my tapestry my expression and that feel and you've come to a place of peace and groundedness from that that tends to hold the boundary all by itself like that tends to create the boundary all by itself. And then the individual interactions around consideration or around what you need become just less heated, less sticky. It just kind of is what it is. It just kind of is what it is. I'm here and I'm trustable and you're there and you're trustable and it's okay. Like it's okay if we need to have space. It's okay if we want to come together. It's okay if we understand each other. It's okay if we misunderstand each other. You don't need to worry about it. So I hope that kind of helps a little bit. Um, and if it's not exactly what you meant, you can totally, you know, email me a follow-up question. But it's interesting, you know, we kind of even like it's helpful to break down the words. So in shamanic work, you can do the stalking with your words. And it's helpful. Like it's helpful to, like we tend to use in, in family constellations, you hear it too. Like the same words kind of come up over and over again. And sometimes it can just help to pause and be like, what is, why that word? Like, what's that language about? And, and what does that language kind of bring to the table that we may or may not intend? Maybe understanding that would help us um, have a new perspective about what's possible in, in whatever we're dealing with. Um, yeah, so I pulled the Seven of Swords uh, reversed. Seven of Swords is 
Such a funny card. Sevens in the tarot are always mysterious. Seven is the number of mystery. Again, when I teach tarot, I always say to people like the sevens of each of the suits are always slippery. It's not a meaning a meaning you can easily like hold on to because that's like the nature of seven. So like make peace with the fact that sevens are always a little bit slippery. And it's interesting because the five of swords and the seven of swords are often like paired together. I talked a little bit about the five of swords before. The seven of swords is such a funny card because it's a, somewhat a thief stealing five swords and they're running away from the camp. But yellow in tarot is always joy and possibility and the whole background is yellow. And this guy's dressed in like this kind of, he always has a funny hat on and he always leaves two of the swords behind. It's actually really funny. So I took us on that journey a little bit around the idea of consideration, but that's what the seven of, of swords is saying. It's like, watch your words and watch your assumptions and and maybe don't assume everyone's like, don't assume people's bad intentions because the seven of swords are like, oh my God, he's stealing swords. And like, he is stealing swords, but he looks like he's possibly at like a circus or an enemy camp and... He's only taking five of the swords. So is he just trying to like play a joke? Is he trying to cause trouble? Is he part of the circus? Like we don't actually really know what's happening in this card, but we look at him, we're like, oh my God, he's a thief. So even like the seven of swords is a really good, when it comes up, it's like, okay, where am I taking things too seriously? Where am I assuming the worst in people? And where can I possibly like, what are the other angles? Like how could I turn this and look at it from different places? So I think it's interesting we talk about this idea of being considerate versus standing up for yourself. Like, yeah, think about that question. Like, think about those words themselves. And then think about this idea of coming back to you, coming back to, sorry, I keep hitting the thing, what you need. And from that place, when you're really grounded and centered, then look at it again and be like, oh, was that, is that really what was meant there? Is that really a bad intention? Is that, is there another way to look at that? Why else would he take these swords? Like, what else could be going on? And also remember the mystery of seven. So remember, like, you might not be able to grasp the meaning. You might not be able to, like, grasp the assumption or grasp the narrative or grasp the, even the boundary of the other person. And it's like, that's okay. What if I let this be a little mysterious? What if I let this be a little slippery? What if I just open my hands a little bit around the whole situation? So that's an interesting card to come out. And same thing, you can take the seven of swords and you can just kind of look at it enter it and be like, what are you doing with those swords? And see what comes up. You might be surprised at the answer. You must also might be surprised that like swords are air energy, our words, our language. And so being mysterious with your words or your language is also like kind of an interesting thing that comes up. And noticing that they that our words can wound and he's taking them away. So what does that mean? Like it's just it makes you kind of get curious about your about your frameworks and your thoughts and the words you're using and see what might like, if you played with that, if you wrote a poem about it or you broke it down or like you just kind of broke down the words that you're using, like what might come up? I think there's something really beautiful and joyful that wants to be shown to you about language and words and the mystery that they contain. Okay, cool. I hope that's helpful. That was awesome and fun. And I could sit and talk about tarot and what's up in your lives all day long. And I think that's it for the day. I think I ran quite long enough. Tarot is totally your friend. So if it's not something you're into, well, you're obviously into it if you're listening to me talk about it for 45 minutes, but I encourage you to play with your cards, to play with the energies of tarot and see, they, they just, they're so, talk about wanting to be seen. These stories want to be seen and there's just so much beauty in them. 
I will check you later. Talk to you soon. Bye.